Welcome to another message from Columbus First Assembly. Thanks for listening as we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God. Our hope is that you're encouraged by today's message. So now we're going to move on to God's word this morning. And uh, I'm just going to, I'm going to share a lot of text this morning, a lot of scripture. So we did not do the public reading of scripture because we're going to have the public reading of scripture before my message. Uh, this is Christmas week. Christmas is coming, and um, I think the children downstairs are probably really antsy. Hopefully, Pastor or Mr. Jack and Mary are able to handle them. But usually, the Sunday before Christmas, I bring a message, a Christmas emphasis message. We will also read the Christmas story on Christmas Eve, but it's going to be just mostly the reading of the story, not a whole lot of comments involved. Since we've been reading Luke's gospel, as we've been reading through the gospel this year, we're going to go back to Luke's gospel. So take your Bible, if you would, and go to Luke chapter 1 and 2. Now, I'm doing something a little different this morning in that um, I'm going to be using the message translation of the Bible, uh, which is a modern paraphrase just to give some freshness to the story. So if you have a device, you're going to want to go to the message version, the MSG version of the Bible. Okay, we're going to be talking this morning about being unannounced, unexpected, and unforeseen because Christmas reminds us of these things, the unannounced, the unexpected, and the unforeseen because this is the way God often works, and this is how we certainly see him working in the birth of his son. But before we get started, as you're still looking maybe for Luke in your device or in your paper Bible, I've got a Christmas quiz for you. And uh, it's a Bible Christmas quiz, and you will get 100 points for each correct answer, okay? Bible Christmas quiz. You can play at home and uh, keep track of the correct answers. So look up on the screen, a Bible Christmas quiz, and the answer that I want is the answer from the Bible. So here we go. Uh, how many wise men, and don't answer out loud because then you'll give it away to someone else. They need to be able to, it needs to be fair when we check how, how bad, good your store is, score is. So there's a total of 400 points that you're able to get. How many wise men or magi were there? Think about it. If you want to jot it down, there's only four questions. You can probably hold them in your mind. How many wise men or magi were there? That's number one. Number two, was the innkeeper married was the innkeeper married number three what song did the little drummer boy play what song did the little drummer boy play last question what port did the three ships enter that came sailing in on Christmas day in the morning what port did the three ships come sailing in on Christmas Day in the morning? Okay, got your answers? We'll see how well you're going to do. All right, number one, how many wise men or magi were there? What does the Bible tell us? It doesn't. We don't know. Church tradition is given three and ten, but actually the Bible doesn't list a number. It just said wise men or magi from the east came looking for the Christ child. So if you said, ah, the Bible doesn't say, or I don't know, 100 points. Was the innkeeper married, yes or no? And if you answered either yes or no, you're wrong. There's no innkeeper in the Bible. 
You say, wait a minute. Yes, there is. Every Christmas play, the little kids do. They go to the innkeeper and he says, no room, and slams the door. All it says in the Bible is that there was no room in the inn. It doesn't say there was an innkeeper. Who knows what that inn was? Was it a family home? Uh, we don't know. So if you listed, there is no innkeeper, 100 points for you. If you said yes or no as to whether or not he was married, you put an innkeeper that the Bible doesn't put. So nah, not that time. Okay. What song did the little drummer boy play according to the Bible? And it's not pa-rum-pa-pum-pum. There is no little drummer boy. It's a good song. It really is. I'm not, I'm not criticizing any of these things. They're good songs. But sometimes, especially people that aren't familiar with the Bible, they think a lot of this stuff is the true Christmas story. And what it is, is these are the traditional add-ons that we have given. And then last, what port did the three ships enter that came in on Christmas, whatever that says, it looks like uh, I have a misspelling there. Christmas Day in the morning. What port did the three ships enter that came sailing in on Christmas Day in the morning? Well, where was Jesus born? Bethlehem, right? Okay. There's no port around Bethlehem. The Mediterranean Sea is over 35 miles away. Mary and Joseph weren't on any ship. Again, it's a nice song. I saw three ships come sailing in. It's just a, it's a fun song, and I like to listen to it. There are no three ships. There is no port. They didn't come in on Christmas morning either. So how did you do? Anybody get 400 points at home? All right, we got some 400-pointer in the front. See, this must be one of those awesome Christians because not only did they sit in the front, they got 400 points. So that's awesome. There are wonderful stories and songs and traditions regarding the biblical Christmas, and then, of course, there's the secular Christmas, but even the biblical Christmas. You know, did the, they have the animals talking, and they have a variety of things. They have, well, one of the things, very interesting, is they have the wise men following a star. We three kings from Orient are following a star. They didn't follow a star. Not from the east. The star appeared, they went, and the only time that they followed the star was from Jerusalem to Bethlehem until it came over the house. But see, tradition from the songs makes us believe that they followed the star all the way from the east, and that is not what the Bible declares. The Bible declares they saw his, sun ri or his star rise. And so there's a lot of traditions or a lot of uh, things that have been added even to the biblical Christ Christmas story. But what we're going to read today is Luke's version of the biblical Christmas story, and God gave us all he felt that we needed to know and so we're going to stay with that. Luke chapter 1. Are you ready? There will be, uh, the, it'll be on the screen if you don't have the message translation. But if you would follow along as I read. So many others have tried their hand at putting together a story of the wonderful harvest of scripture and history that took place among us using reports handed down by the original eyewitnesses who served this word with their very lives. Since I have investigated all of the reports in close detail, starting from the story's beginning, I decided to write it all out for you, most honorable Theophilus, so that you can know beyond the shadow of a doubt the reliability of what you were taught. During the rule of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest assigned service in the regiment of Abijah. His name was Zechariah. His wife was descended from the daughters of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. Together they lived honorably before God, careful in keeping 
to the ways of the commandments and enjoying a clear conscience before God. But they were childless because Elizabeth could never conceive and now they were quite old. It happened that as Zechariah was carrying out his priestly duties before God, working the shift assigned to his regiment, it came his one turn in life to enter the sanctuary of God and burn incense. The congregation was gathered and praying outside the temple at the hour of the incense offering and unannounced, there's one of those words, unannounced, an angel of God appeared just to the right of the altar of incense and Zechariah was paralyzed with fear. Now let me give you some context here. It will really help you to understand the incredible thing that took place. Zechariah was one of thousands. Uh, one man recently said he, uh, his uh, study, there were 18,000 priests that would be serving at the temple throughout the year. They all, most of them lived back in their homes, in their villages. They would possibly farm. They would have other occupations. But because they were in the line of the priests, they would come twice a year to Jerusalem. Each one had a regiment. That's why uh, it said that uh, Zechariah, he was part of the regiment of Abijah. And they would come twice a year, and they would spend one week. And during this week, they were responsible to do the duties of the priests, the sacrificing of the animals, the burning of incense, the prayers, everything that took place that wasn't a responsibility of the high priest, the priests did twice a year for a week. So if there were 18,000 of these priests, you can imagine about... Um, well, there'd be 1,000 if there were, were 12,000, so about 1,500 priests per week would arrive in Jerusalem. 1,500 priests, and as a priest retired or died, as others came up and reached age, they would be doing and serving uh, the, uh, the temple in this way. Zechariah had been coming to Jerusalem twice a year for decades. It says he is now very old. And so he has been doing this. And up to this point, Zechariah had never gone into the temple itself, into the inner court of the temple where the incense was burned. The reason he hadn't is this was chosen by lot. It wasn't chosen by age or spirituality because there were so many priests. What they would do, and uh, basically some people say they would just uh, choose a short straw or long straw or whatever it was, um, of the priests that were set that day, they would choose. And one priest in the morning and one priest in the evening. So there were two priests per day for seven days. So 14 of the 1,500 per week would have this high honor of going into the temple to burn incense. Zechariah and his regiment had been coming. And on this particular day, Zechariah got the short straw. Now, I don't know about you, but... When I'm chosen for some type of honor like this, okay, now I'll just, I'll just confess. Those of you who, <coughs> excuse me, follow, uh, Wheel of Fortune for the last two weeks, okay, I know some of you are saying, who cares? Wheel of Fortune for the last two weeks was doing Secret Santa, which meant that whatever a player won, somebody at home won. And now I have a spin ID into Wheel of Fortune, and I was always looking for the letters of my name because it's your first and your last name are the letters that come up. So it would be RG and then all of these numbers. And only once in the past two weeks did an R even appear in the first letter. But for that brief moment, the heart leapt. Now I want you, if, if that's how we would act today, think about it. Zechariah for decades had been coming. 
I don't know how many times that he had the privilege of even drawing a straw. But on this particular day, unknown to him, unexpected, when he pulled his straw, he had the short straw. And I think his heart just did a flip-flop. He could now rest his head, go to sleep, knowing that he had had the high honor of walking behind the curtain, not into the holy of holies, that was only the high priest once a year, but into the holy place where the incense altar was. I'm sure he went in there, maybe even shaking. I would. And he begins the process of burning the incense. And unannounced, somebody appears there with him. I don't think it came with a trumpet shout. I don't think it came with a blinding blast of light. I just think all of a sudden, boom, there's an angel. Whether he saw him immediately or caught him out of the corner of his eye and looked over, there was an angel. Let's continue to read now. It says, Zechariah was paralyzed with fear, verse number 13, but the angel reassured him, don't fear, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Elizabeth, your wife, will bear you a son, and you are to name him John. You are going to leap like a gazelle for joy, and not only you, many will delight in his birth. He'll achieve great stature with God. He'll drink neither wine nor beer. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit from the moment he leaves his mother's womb. He will turn many sons and daughters of Israel back to their God. He will herald God's arrival in the style and strength of Elijah, soften the hearts of parents to children, and kindle devout understanding among hardened skeptics. He will get the people ready for God. Zechariah said to the angel, Do you expect me to believe this? I'm an old man, and my wife is an old woman. But the angel said, I am Gabriel, the sentinel of God, sent especially to bring you this glad news. But because you won't believe me, you'll be unable to say a word until the day of your son's birth. Every word I've spoken to you will come true on time, God's time. Now, meanwhile, the congregation waiting for Zechariah was getting restless, wondering what was keeping him so long in the sanctuary. When he came out, he couldn't speak, and they knew that he had seen a vision. He continued speechless and had to use sign language with the people. When the course of his priestly assignment was completed, he went back home. And it wasn't long before his wife Elizabeth conceived. She went off by herself for five months, relishing her pregnancy. See, this is how God acts to remedy my unfortunate condition, she said. And now the scene shifts. Luke takes us from Zechariah's home, and they lived in the hills of Judea, and the scene shifts to a small town of Nazareth. And picking up in verse 26, we meet Mary. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, so six months have now gone by, Elizabeth has conceived, she is now showing. It says she secluded herself uh, so that uh, she could be by herself at least for several months. But in the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to a Galilean village of Nazareth to a virgin engaged to be married to a man descended from David. His name was Joseph and the virgin's name, Mary. Upon entering, Gabriel greeted her. Good morning. You're beautiful with God's beauty, beautiful inside and out. God be with you. She was thoroughly shaken, wondering what was behind a greeting like this. But the angel assured her, Mary, you have nothing to fear. 
God has a surprise for you. Hmm, unexpected, unforeseen, a surprise. God has a surprise for you. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son and call his name Jesus. He will be great, be called son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will rule Jacob's house forever, no end ever to his kingdom. Mary, because she had been taught, knew this angel's talking about Messiah. She is going to give birth to Messiah, a high honor. Zechariah had a high honor of burning incense. She has a high honor of being the mother of a Messiah. Verse 34, Mary said to the angel, but how? I've never slept with a man. Now, this is interesting because she was going to get married and she was going to sleep with Joseph. So the pregnancy would not have been that surprising. So there was something that the angel shed, said to her that made her realize that this was happening now. Not after the marriage, not after she had slept with Joseph. This was happening now. So Mary asked this question. Mary said to the angel, but how? I've never slept with a man. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will hover over you. Therefore, the child you bring to birth will be called Holy Son of God. And did you know that your cousin Elizabeth conceived a son, old as she is? Everyone called her barren, and here she is six months pregnant. Nothing you see is impossible with God. And Mary said, yes, I see it all now. I'm the Lord's maid, ready to serve. Let it be with me just as you say. Then the angel left her. Now the story continues. Mary goes and visits Elizabeth. John the Baptist is born. These are not as important to where we're going today. So I'm going to ask you to skip forward now to chapter 2. And let us now continue and read about the birth of Jesus. About that time, Caesar Augustus ordered a census to be taken throughout the empire. This was the first census when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Everyone had to travel to his own ancestral hometown to be accounted for. So Joseph went from the Galilean town of Nazareth up to Bethlehem in Judah, David's town for the census. As a descendant of, jo of David, he had to go there and he went with Mary, his fiance, who was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to a son, her firstborn son. She wrapped him in a blanket and laid him in a manger because there was no room in the hostel. There were shepherds camping in the neighborhood. They had set night watches over their sheep, and suddenly God's angel stood among them, and God's glory blazed around them, and they were terrified. Again, suddenly, unannounced, unexpected, unforeseen, an ordinary night, and boom, an angel shows up. They were terrified. The angel said, don't be afraid. I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide. A savior has just been born in David's town. A savior who is Messiah and master. This is what you're to look for. A baby wrapped in a blanket and lying in a manger. And at once the angel was joined by a huge angelic choir singing praises to God. Glory to God in the heavenly heights. Peace to all men and women on earth who please him. As the angel choir withdrew into heaven, the sheep herders talked it over. Let's go over to Bethlehem as fast as we can and see for ourselves what God has revealed to us. They left running and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. Seeing was believing. They told everyone they met what the angels had said about this child. And all who heard the sheep herders were impressed. And Mary kept these things to herself, holding them dear, deep within herself. 
The sheep herders returned and let loose, glorifying and praising God for everything they had heard and seen. And it turned out exactly the way they had been told. Now, when the eighth day arrived, the day of circumcision, the child was named Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was circumcised. Then when the days stipulated by Moses for purification were complete, they took him up to Jerusalem to offer him to God as commanded in God's law. Every male who opens the womb shall be a holy offering to God and also to sacrifice the pair of doves or two young pigeons prescribed in God's law. Now in Jerusalem at that time, there was a man, Simeon by name, a good man, a man who lived in the prayerful expectancy of help for Israel. And the Holy Spirit was with him. The Holy Spirit had shown him that he would see the Messiah of God before he died. Led by the Spirit, he entered the temple. As the parents of the child, Jesus brought him in to carry out the ritual of the law. Simeon took him into his arms and blessed God. God, you can now release your servant. Release me in peace as you promised. With my own eyes, I have seen your salvation. It's now out in the open for everyone to see. A God-revealing light to the non-Jewish nations and of glory to your people, Israel. And Jesus' father and mother were speechless with surprise. I mean, wouldn't you be if some old man who's hanging around comes and grabs the baby out of your arm and all of a sudden starts to speak about uh, the blessing of God? But see, this man unexpectedly had a fulfillment. The Holy Spirit had said that before he died, before he died, we don't know how long he had been waiting, he would see the promised Messiah unannounced, unexpected, unforeseen. On this day, the Messiah shows up in the temple. Back to verse 33. Jesus' father and mother were speechless with surprise at these words. Simeon went on to bless them and then said to Mary, his mother, this child marks both the failure and the recovery of many in Israel, a figure misunderstood and contradicted. The pain of a sword thrust through you, but the rejection will force honesty as God reveals who they really are. Now, Anna, the prophetess, was there also a daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher. She was now a very old woman. She had been married seven years and a widow for 84, so she's well into her 90s. She may even be 100 years old. She never left the temple area. She worshiped day and night with her fastings and prayers. And at the very time Simeon was praying, she showed up and she broke into an anthem of praise to God because now she had seen the Messiah and talked about the child to all who were waiting expectantly for the freeing of Jerusalem. And when they had finished everything required by God in the law, they returned to Galilee and to their own hometown of Nazareth. And there the child grew in body and wise in spirit and the grace of God was on him. In these few verses, what took place over the period of about a year, we see some examples of how God works in the lives of people, ordinary people, ordinary people, just like you at home, watching either uh, on your sofa or in your bed or in your kitchen, ordinary people like you and like me. We say, oh, God works in ordinary people. And so I'm going to give some very quick points. There is a note sheet this morning. If you picked one up in the lobby, I'm going to give us five Quick points this morning based on this passage, and then we will pray. First point, your miracle can happen any day. 
Or you might just say, a miracle could happen any day, but you're a miracle. See, see, God is a God of miracles. God is a God who wants to show up in our lives. And it can happen in any day. See, when Zechariah went to the temple, he was doing what he had done over and over again with his regiment. But on this day, unannounced, unexpected, unforeseen, that was his day. God did something. When Mary, you know, uh, various people have tried to depict, what was Mary doing? When the angel appeared, was she, was she praying? And I, as I grew up as a child, a lot of the, the picture things had Mary, you know, just in her, in her uh, little hut, just praying, and the angel appeared. Do you know what I think Mary was doing? This personal. I think she was probably doing the dishes or sweeping the floor. Mary was being Mary. She had no anticipation, no expectation that something miraculous was going to happen. She was being Mary, and sometimes you just need to be you. Just doing God can show up. Your miracle can happen any day. Simeon was told that he would see the Messiah. He never knew when, but it was that day. Anna had been a fixture in the temple for decades. She received her miracle the day that the Christ child went. Second point this morning, a miracle often comes unannounced at unexpected times and without a warning. As I've already said for Mary, for Zechariah, for Simeon, for Anna, it was an ordinary day until it was no longer an ordinary day. Why? Because a miracle often comes unannounced at unexpected times and without a warning. Sometimes you may have a sense that God's getting ready to do something, but most of the time when major things began to happen in my life, very often it happened when it was unexpected. Just an ordinary day. And an encounter with God, when you have an encounter with God, it will change everything. There's a line from a song many, many years ago. Most of you may not know the song, but it's a line that got into my heart. It says, in just a moment, he can touch you and everything will change. Keep your heart open. Keep your heart open. In a moment, he can touch you. And everything will change in a moment. Third point this morning. When God has a plan, he looks for a man or a woman. God came to the man, Zechariah, the woman, Elizabeth. When God has a plan, he looks for a man. He came to Mary. Later, he's going to come to Joseph and say, Joseph, it's okay. Go ahead and marry Mary. This is Mary, Mary. Go ahead, because this is of God. When God has a plan, he looks for a man or a woman. Is he looking for you? If he is looking for you, would you answer? I appreciated Rachel's testimony as uh, God was dealing with her about missions. When he wanted, when he had a plan, when God had a plan, he was looking for a woman. A woman who would say yes. And through anxiety, through fear, through wondering if financially it was going to be okay, talking to her parents, COVID came in, wondering if it was going to happen. God looked for a woman. Now, number four, we are part of something bigger than our own life. We are part of the incredible plan of God. I don't know, maybe somebody at home needs to hear this. Maybe you all know it. Maybe somebody here. Listen, it's not just about getting saved, getting your sins forgiven, getting a place in heaven. It's about becoming part of the wonderful plan of God. Your life, 
can be poured out, it can be uh, invested, it can be used to advance the kingdom of God. See, we are part of something bigger than our own life. We are part of the incredible plan of God. You know the plans I have for you. The what? The plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plan to prosper you, not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Book of Ephesians talks about the great plans that God has for you after you're saved and forgiven. Say, God, I want to be part of your plan. Remember when I was talking about the missions, that some people won't pray the prayer, God, what do you want me to do? Because they know he'll give them an answer. Do you know there's some people that don't want to be part of God's plan? They don't want to ask him. They don't want to offer their life. They don't want to say, God, here I am. You're missing it. God has good plans for you. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Will they stretch you? I don't know. Rachel, did God's plan stretch you? She said just a little, and she's being sarcastic because it was a lot. But did you, did you hear what she said at the close of, her, uh, close of her interview? It was one of the best things she ever did. Her life was just totally changed. God has plans for you. Now, number five, we must say yes to God's plan. When the angel went to Zechariah and Zechariah doubted, I think if Zechariah would have said, listen, go get somebody else, God would have gotten somebody else. But Zechariah had doubts, and so the angel said, no, this is going to happen just the way God said. You're not going to speak. God had a plan. He looked for a man and a woman. But Mary so quickly said, I am God's servant. You must say yes to God's plan. Some people don't look for God's plan. That way they don't have to say yes or no. Other people begin to sense God wanting them to do something. It may be uh, a change of life. Uh, it may be job. It may be changing some relationships. Uh, it could be one of so many different things. But when God comes around with his plan, you need to say yes to it. And most of the time when you say yes, you will not have the full idea of what God has for you. The miracles which Mary received, the miracles which Joseph received, the miracles which Elizabeth and Zechariah received were incredible, but they also cost them something. Simeon said of Mary that a sword was going to pierce her heart because of what was going to take place to Messiah, and Mary watched his crucifixion. But she blessed the world. You and I are saved because of Mary's sacrifice, her willingness to be pregnant out of wedlock, her willingness to put up with any um, uh, gossip and rumors and innuendo. But she was willing. She said, I am your servant, Lord. We must say yes to God's plan. But realize that sometimes God's plan is going to cost us something, but it's worth it in the end for the blessings to the world and the blessings to each one of us here on earth and in heaven. The Christmas story is filled with the unannounced, the unexpected, and the unforeseen. God is incredible. And he wants you to have these encounters also. Will yours be as big as an old man and woman having a, a child or a virgin becoming pregnant, shepherds seeing angels, I don't know. But God's plan for you is good, 
and it's part of a bigger plan for him reaching the world, will you say yes to his plan and see what he might do? Would you bow your heads this morning? Father, thank you again for the Christmas story, the good things that you show us from it. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I would pray that a truth or two from this message would reside in each heart, those that are here in the building, those that are at home, because I believe that there might have been something each of us could have received from this message. Holy Spirit, show us what that would be. As a matter of fact, I'm going to ask you to pray, church. Just pray after me. Say, Holy Spirit, show me what I need to see from this message today. In Jesus' name, amen. If the team would return to the platform, please. We're going to go back to the song we sang earlier in the service, the song, The Blessing. Because really, Zechariah and Elizabeth received a blessing. Mary and Joseph received a blessing. Simeon received a blessing. Anna received a blessing. The shepherds received a blessing. On Christmas Eve, we're going to read about the Magi. They received a blessing. And so we're going to remind ourselves of the blessing. His favor goes before you to a thousand generations. This is the God, the unexpected, the unannounced, the unforeseen God. He wants to bless you. He wants to speak over you. He wants to minister to your life. Would you stand and follow the team this morning? You've been listening to a message from Columbus First Assembly. We hope that you've been encouraged in your spiritual journey. If you're not part of a local church and would like to attend one of our regular services, our church is located at the corner of 10th and Iowa Street in Columbus, Indiana. Our Sunday morning worship services start at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday evening studies begin at 7 p.m. And while you're online, check out our website at columbusfirstassembly.org for details and information about our church. You will also find other messages and series that you can listen to or download. Thanks for spending some time with us and for taking advantage of this resource from Columbus First Assembly, where we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God.